The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by NervousWater.com. Thomas and Thomas Fly Rods, Shilton Reels and Cortland Fly Lines. Power Pole, Total Boat Control. Ketterfly Apparel, from time on the water to you. Beast Brushes, we stay in our lane of experience to improve your experience. Welcome back to another show, Potatoes, and uh, <laughs> and if you've just joined us and have turned off immediately, thank you for your download. <laughs> you've always wanted to I'm, say uh, I'm Chris Adams, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm also here with, and I'm not going to fall for it this time, Batman, is that better? Batman at Volte's Fishing, at Volte's Fly Fishing? That's me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. thank you for your attention to details, unrivaled. Yeah, mm-hmm. people who listen to the last show will know that we had a um, a spirited intro due to some mistakes that I made, and I'm feeling like I've um, pulled it off this time. Well, mate, we've had plenty of practice at that, so well done. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, 154 yeah. shows in. Yeah, you finally it right. pulled, it off, pulled it off properly. Yeah, no, I yeah. think we got it, mate. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've been busy, man. You've what? been real busy. I see on the interwebs that um, uh, Beast Brushes has released a couple of new exciting products. This oh, yeah. Fortnite. Pumping, man. Pumping, pumpity pump. Um, yeah, uh, I guess the, one of the most more notable ones is that that Mutineer crap. That's been booking it out the door. It's been running out the door the same way the crab acts in the water, just running away from something, right? Um, <laughs> Mutineer. The yeah, Mutineer. That, how'd you get come up with a name? Is that how you come up with a name? Uh, look, I mean, everyone, everyone. I'll give you a bit of a, a bit of a background with that, just real quickly. Uh, I'll start at the start, and I'll come right back round. But everyone who's seen it is called the Dab Crab. Looked at it. I mean, it looks like it's dab. I mean, it's the most obvious thing for anyone to see and and uh, bring up. But um, to take you right back. Um, once we decided to start manufacturing them here in Australia and designing them and, and changing uh, what what is already a, a well-proven sort of pattern on our fish, many people have heard us talk about the gas crab. I started to sort of talk to some of the um, some of the personalities in the industry, and one of those was Chris Bygrave because of his dab crab, you know. And I just thought, you know, if he wanted to co- collab out, collaborate, I should say. And um, yeah, he declined. He just said, you know, those those things aren't for him, but. Uh, it was a bit of a shame, but um, yeah, that 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 type of design was sort of already in the pipeline. Um, we needed a crab that was going to 
do what the gas crab doesn't, and that's just moving fast across the bottom to create that reaction. Um, yeah, Chris has already got a crab called a dab crab, which is which is great for that sort of um, that sort of purpose. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just another fleeing crab to the stack of fleeing crabs that are around worldwide. But I decided ethically not to call it the dab crab or even lean on that, even though it was popular, because Chris had it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. very respectful of you, mate. It's um. You know, that's the right thing to do. Uh, it, it, the concept of a, you know, a, a, a crab that, you know, moves uh, like a fleeing crab, I think, is so good. Just so many times I fish crabs a lot for tuskies and, and goldies and, you know, permits and those sort of things. And I sometimes get a little bit frustrated um, with, you know, the concept of a stationary crab, or one that is sort of only fishing on the way, you know, fit, I'm saying visible to the fish as it sinks, and then yeah. it may or may not get lost in the bottom. You know, there's a lot I, of. I things. agree. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the principle of it is is really appealing to me. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's. I think it's a good feather to have in the cap to have something like that. That's always frustrated me, and I guess I'd always lend to a shrimp fly. You know, if um if I couldn't yes. move a crab, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. have have a crab that you could act as a shrimp is a good idea, and I think that between say something like the gas crab, you know, if I mean I realize that these products aren't everyone's cup of tea and i'm not trying to ram it down people's throats but you can't argue the numbers by the way um but uh <laughs> um if you were to have like the gas crab and the mutineer in your pack i mean the only variance you'd have then is this size and color but i mean it would cover most bases for sure i think which is right. the which was the point of it right um we've got some other 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 designs in the works like we've redesigned the moon crab to work with what we've already learned on the water as far as what makes that fly well that aspect of that fly so effective for a fly that does what you want it to do which i believe is the reason why um that fly is so good but anyway it's been redesigned based on feedback from guys like yourself um tonight's guest paul dolan and also gavin davis the dude who invented the fly so you know as you know there's a lot of work in the background before anyone saw it um but the good thing is that they're now all made and designed in australia and um and for anyone's listening around the world they're all around, they're available around the world, or if you can't get them in your shop, just get them to reach out to Bees Brushes. Um, and uh, yeah, mate, we'll get them in shops for people as well. So it's um, yeah, there's no no excuse. You don't have to just buy them from Bees Brushes anymore. You can just get them in your own shop. But um, yeah, just get speak to your dude and say, let's get these in. Yeah, right. Reach so you know, wholesale them to shops, man. Nice. Yeah, yeah worldwide. So there's already yeah. a couple of shops in um, in the US, and there's um, one shop in in Europe that's um, that's that's got an order in for them right now, and um, yeah, these brushes worldwide, worldwide. <laughs> so prestigious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, it's, it's been good, mate. And they're pumping out. So it's, um, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot has gone out a lot. So it's, um, it's good. Good to see. Yeah. Um, I saw, speaking of, um, speaking of things that people have done, you're doing, <laughs> doing a bit of a hillbilly bush bashing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I went, um, what do they call hillbilly bone fishing. The, uh, the carps had, um, had a, uh, a mate had a surprise 40th and, um, he, uh, a fishing mate and his, um, uh, his wife organized it and, um, and we had a, a mate, um, a mutual friend, um, mad Billy Mitchell from, from, um, Townsville was down, um, for work and, also happened to be at, at the party so went for a fish on sunday morning um out at the local 
and uh, we we hiked in. Um, I was driving, so I, I didn't. I went light on the on the shandies the night before. Um, and oh, um, mate, we all know the shandies are too strong for you. It's alcoholic lemonades, right? <laughs> 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 they're hard to find now. You know the good. Oh, ones really? Like, yep. Yeah, yeah. I bet, I bet they're light on the fizz too, right? Yeah, slam them down fast. You know. I just thought it might they... hurt your nose if you drink alcoholic lemonade. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we got up early and, um, uh, well, I'm not going to point the finger at both of them, but, you know, the car stunk like a brewery um, and uh, yeah. the guys were a bit a bit wrong. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they got it done. We, we, we had a massive hike um, and, uh, yeah, mate, got, a, got, got, uh, got Craig. Happy birthday, Craig. A, um, a, a nice carp and we got um, Bill got a nice one. He didn't need much help. He fished well. Um, despite um, you know not feeling, oh, Bill wasn't too bad. He just stunk bad, but yeah, mm. um, stinky Bill. <laughs> but, but, mm. but Craig, Craig, um, he, he was. I don't think he was uh, you know feeling the best. But yeah, we found um, uh, just in the middle of the bush out there. I found this little telescopic hand gaff. It was really cool. Um, so if anyone's lost a hand gaff, get in contact with me. It's telescopic. Um, tell me where you lost it. And if you're close, I'll arrange for its return. But I'm going to tell you, um, I might keep it or uh, offer to buy it off. It's pretty handy for sticking carp. It was real good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we used it twice. Come in handy. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good day. Real, lots of lots of fun. I, I love um, I love any kind of side fishing, and you know, um, carps were were fantastic. And it's so cool uh, to express your aggressiveness. On. Sight fishing is right fishing. That's right. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Is right fishing for sure. Yep. Yeah, man. So uh, that's wonderful news, mate. It's good to see time, you getting yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good to get out. I, my um, my son has just got accepted into uh, academy soccer, so that's going to fuck up my Sundays now for right through till spring. So yeah. um, yeah, great, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, dude. Uh, lots of positive feedback about last show too. Hey, Will Flack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A, lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I love hearing from um, anglers, no matter where they are in the world. Find out um, uh, what tackle they like and why they like it. And, um, you know, unavoidably, a bit of chat happens off air too. Um, but um, uh, but it was interesting to you know to hear hear about will's t- tackle choices one thing he did talk about on air was um those uh i think it's the, the Cortland. is it the tropical compact tropical, tropical compact that's right that's what he said right yeah. he said um the floating the Cortland floating line the tropical compact yes yeah tropic yeah and he his favorite for throwing crabs um, yeah yeah doesn't, uh, it doesn't surprise me that's for sure it's um it's a good love we got him in australia too nervous water obviously bring him in um Two of the show sponsors carry them. Pick whichever uh-huh. way you get them. But yep. yeah, good lines, man. Very popular. Yeah, you've been using them. Yeah, I got one. I got actually, I got actually, I got two. I I got one on my six weight, and I got one for my ten weight as well. And um, no, they're great lines. I like. I really. I think that if um if people aren't including Cortland, the new Cortland tapers in their conversation for line choice, they're really missing out. That's for sure. It's super impressive i can only speak from my experience which would be heavy wind resistance flies i don't fish number 22 dry flies um 
And, you know, Will's chucking crab flies around in, like like you said, 20, 20, knot, 20 to 30 knots of wind. You couldn't get a better line. You know, the way that all those grains get out of the rod tips in such a short fashion with with, with handling tapers as well, it's just, it's, they've just they've just knocked it out of the park, Cortland. I would say a better way to put that is Cortland have listened. Let's put it that way. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, it yeah. sounds like a uh, a line to have a look at. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Well, all the compact range—you got the, co- the compact intermediate, um, you got the co- compact float, you got the compact sink, uh, and the tropic compact—are all basically the same taper and same grain envelope, but for different uh, sink rates and obviously um, water temperatures, temperature ratings, I should say. Okay. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. They've they got the welded loops too, haven't they? And that. Um... Yeah. Yeah, and yep. shooting technology that the guy from Cortland was telling us about. The um, the Tropic Compact, they got different coatings like that. I think the Tropic Compact's got like a, a, a grip coating it's meant to have. Uh, so it's meant to help you set the hook, right? So without the line slipping. Um, I was a bit skeptical of that because I use mine in, in freshwater and it's a bit, gets a bit of um, like it's a, you get a scum line around the boat in the places that I fish. Uh-huh. But I haven't had any dirt pickup from that feature at all. I don't know how it works, man. I haven't um I haven't hooked anything that needed me to hang on like I'm um, hanging off the side of a cliff or anything like that. So I haven't had to use the grippy feature. Um but yeah. You always get around that by trout strike and everything anyway. So Well that's true, mate. That's true. I used to strip strike and then you put your hand on my show and said, no dude, like this. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong, bro. Like this. <laughs> Yeah, slower, slower. Yeah. <laughs> what you want to do is you see the fish coming, you want to throw a small men so it's even slower. <laughs> Speaking of scum lines on the hull, um, yours will be a little bit lower down on the hull now with the new battery. How's that going? Oh, the scum line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The no, new battery's good, man. No, no complaints. The um, the lithium is is killing it. That's for yeah. sure. Okay, really good. good. So no, no regrets on going for the life profile. Not. No, the LifePo 4. Well, only only that I did want the LifePo 3, but I believe they've sold out of that. Um, mm-hmm. LifePo 1 and 2, I didn't think got the great greatest reviews that I read. So I'm pretty happy to, to run with the LifePo 4. I think that the later model is something that I'm, you know, is going to suit my modern approach towards batteries. Yeah. Thanks for asking. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for uh, Troy at Mid Repairs for the for the advice and a hook up there too yeah 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 absolutely no troy's um oh did you see um um well it, it's uh it ties in as well i guess with um uh, with the show sponsors as well but troy put up a um a video a short um of a of a power pole video did you see it it was pretty cryptic hey yeah that's the word i'm looking for it was cryptic yeah very cryptic um did you see it then? Yeah, yeah, obviously you did. To know it's cryptic, you would have had to have seen it. So it's only a short video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It a was... dude, a dude cutting up a how to fish book with a, with a chainsaw. Very yeah. aggressive. Yeah, so, it was pretty aggressive. What, yeah. So I was searching for meaning in that. I, um, you know, I've got a, a few theories, but I'll, I'll wait and see what happens. So. Yeah. Well, let's not piss on people and tell them it's raining. We've we've been contacted by Powerpole. We know what it is, but we're not going to tell you. But we can tell you. <laughs> we can tell you that it is very exciting. What's about to happen, and um, um, and they're 
metaphoric video. Be a good way to put it. Um, it's pretty legit. It probably will do a lot of um, good and a lot of changes, and it'll be a, a big step up for, um, for what we've seen so far. Really not much point in, in throwing out those explanations for it until you really know what's going on. Just keep your eye on what's going on with go to min repairs and check it out or even the PowerPile website or the PowerPile social media pages because there's something big happening. Big. Coming. Turn it. Turn it. I thought it would have been a good time for you to join in with the Jaws music while I talked out of the top of it. Mm, no. 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 Not feeling no. it, man. Not well, feeling I've got to put out a public apology to those people that don't like permit because we've got another show to add to the perm bank tonight. And and um, for those people who don't like permits, um, they're going to hear more about it. And I think that, um, yeah, you've made a few deposits into the perm bank, haven't you? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I've made plenty of contributions to the perm bank. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate. Yep. So, I mean, this, you'll be excited to hear another show about permit, right? Certainly. I'd never get sick of talking about any tropical sort of, uh, well, any side fishing, regardless of whatever you say. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. Bring on more perm. Yeah, yeah. You get perm all over your face, you know? You never know. Like, it's um, it's just, it's just you know, the writing's on the wall. You know what I mean? Like, it's caught red-handed, like, you know what I mean? Sort of, sort of aspect. Um. Anyway, tonight's guest... Paul Dolan from Mackay Flying Sports Fishing is the man in the moment at the moment. He's got the, one of the most red-hot, uh, evolving permit fisheries in Australia. And we've got him on to talk about that. Paul's been on before. Uh, I don't know what episode number it is. would have been handy to know that before we started, I suppose. But you could but you could search it and find it out if you want to know more about Paul, about the history of it. Tonight, we're not going to really go into learning about Paul and you know what his childhood was like. But today we're going to talk to Paul about his um his experience in the in that Mackay region where he's at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So without further ado, here he is. Let's say, not here he is. We've got to get him on the phone. We got to get off the phone. Get him on the phone. If people let's don't do it. Yeah. The magic of podcasting. Uh huh. Okay. Right. Let's do it. Eh? Let's get him on. Sure. All right, welcome back, folks. We go on the line with us, our good friend Paul Dolan. How are you, Paul? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Hey, mate, it's great to have you on a second time, mate. And um, been a lot that's gone on since the last time we had on, which we're going to cover tonight. Um, I will bring up something I said on on the intro as a lead up to this show. Um, so many of you have probably heard it. They'll probably um, they'll probably want an explanation, I guess. And um, I don't want to worry you, Paul, where I'm going, but it kind of leads us in to about what we're going to talk about tonight and what i said is that we got you on the show and i described your area as the uh the hottest up-and-coming permit fishery uh, in australia at the moment and i and what that what i meant by that was that um you know Mackay is not been known as a as a permit fishery or has had a commercial operator there the targeting permit on fly until you've shown up and it's um and and you really capitalise on that, which we're going to talk about on tonight's show. But do you think that it's fair to call the area uh, an up and coming area, or, or the one that's probably got the most focus on it at the moment? 
Uh, definitely an up and coming because I'm far from finished in um, searching and hunting for more permits. Um, but it, it, you know, there's a lot of good anglers here. You know, you've got people like Mick Hassett that um, he's got a lot, a big following and people following what he does here in Mackay, but he doesn't do a lot of fly fishing. Mm. And there's never been a fly guide here um, doing what I'm trying to do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all new ground, you know, it's all new country. Um, and I'm enjoying it because I'm finding so much stuff. It's, it's just ridiculous as a fly fisher. It really is. Mm. Well, on tonight's show, we're going to, we're going to really focus on, on the permit aspects of things. But before we get going, um, I would invite people to go and have a look at your social media pages just to sort of see the, the quality of the fish that we're talking about. And where can people find that for? Uh, Instagram, Mackay Fly and Sport Fishing. And yep. same on Faceless, uh, Facebook. Faceless. Book. <laughs> Freudian <laughs> yeah. slip. It really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Mackay Fly and Sport Fishing on Facebook. Um, my page, I don't put my personal page, I don't put a lot of stuff on. It's, um, it's only my personal stuff or... Uh, the odd comment here and there that I get banned for, but <laughs> <laughs> other than that, um, yeah, I probably, I just stick to all my fishing stuff on my um, on the other socials. Yeah, I'll be honest. The, the day I give up guiding, there won't be any socials because I'm I'm not a big fan of it. But it's what you have to do these days. Oh, absolutely, mate. It it really is, and I guess that's you know part of part of uh, exploiting this. Well, exploiting is probably not the right word, but. Um, showcasing this fishery is the um, the ability to do it on social media these days. It's it's uh, really is what it is. But hopefully we can um, we can expand on a lot of those photos tonight uh, and talk about what it's taken to get there and 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 all all that sort of stuff. I guess um you know I'd probably like to open up with um with a bit of a broad question for you in regards to the fish like the species in the area the permit um what sort of um what sort of hurdles have you had to overcome as someone who's moved to the area and developed this commercial fishery, uh, commercial guiding operation, I should say? I know you're not netting anything. Okay. Uh, how do you mean? What do you, what do you well, mean? Well, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I know what I'm expecting to hear. Um, and without sort of prompting you to go in certain areas, there would have been certain things you would have had to learn um, coming from a popular, uh, an area that had a less population of permit to an area that's got ass bundles of them. And there would have been some, it wouldn't have been a matter of launching the boat and just hooking straight into permit. You were there for a couple of years before you started to, and then, but, but all of a sudden you really hit your straps, you know? So there must've been some, some hurdles, like some, some learning and observations of the species for yourself personally, or even that's unique to that area that um, I just was interested in learning about. Yeah. Well, I hadn't done a lot of permit fishing, you know, as you know, I got uh, one of the, well, the first one in Harvey Bay on, uh, on fly. Uh, that was my first permit, and then I got permit in Mexico, um, and then I had a really long dry spell until I moved here. Um, mm. And I, I was very fortunate to meet um, a crew of South African guys here, Justin Weber, Pete Behrens, Nicholas Moore, and Graham Cox, who mm. I fished with. Um, they didn't spoon feed me. They just said, go and have a look at these areas, those areas. They They'd fished the flats here for many years before I arrived and told me stories of seeing mega schools of permit, but those mega schools seem to have disappeared. Um, there's still a lot of permit here, but 
some of the some of the, the times that they told me about when they first fish here, fished here 10 years ago of seeing 100 and 200 permit doing their circle work mm. um, but could never get those fish to eat because when they're doing that circle work generally they're, they're not interested in eating mm. um, and I just sort of from that information I just went looking and I've fished with uh, you would have seen the, the photos of Justin and Graham and Pete yeah um, I haven't I haven't flats fished with Nicholas yet but that'll happen sooner or later mm. um, but yeah that was all the information they gave me and then I just just kept going and looking and and learning and I did a lot of a lot of chasing these fish when they're traveling and you know a lot of people will tell you when they're traveling they're not interested they they're going somewhere and I, I kept saying to the guys there's going to be a silver bullet with these fish there's going to be a fly that they'll eat but we need to find where they're eating mm. and that's what i did i just went out and i just went time after time after time and i, I kept seeing permit and kept getting refusals and eventually i'll be honest gab's crab was the big game changer yep plus plus the fact that i found where they wanted to be when i gave it to them and that yeah. was the big that was the big thing was that was the biggest hurdle was finding where those fish were going to to do what they do and once i found that and had the fly that they wanted well um it all became a lot easier yeah yeah okay well we'll circle back to the fly for sure but um I guess what's interesting, picking up from what you said there, is that you you know you took your seeing permit. Where are they going? What are they eating? Where are we going to find it? Now, as a as a, a working guide moving to a new area, you've got to work. Mm. Uh, you must have invested some time away from clients, and must be a it would be a pretty you'd have to have a special client on who'd be like, yeah, Paul, I'm really interested to figure out where these things are feeding to, as opposed to I just paid the beer, I want all the shots, right? So you I must have I didn't explore with clients, mate. I don't do yeah. that. I don't okay. waste time. Well, yeah, um, let's 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 talk about that because I don't think people would um would understand the the yards that go in for what the price they're paying. You know, so you know, like a lot of people would. I yeah. had the chance. I was on the flats looking and learning different tides, different heights of tides, different moon phases, um, and it all started to click together. And I've learned so much in the last twelve months. It's been a really steep learning curve. Um, I did, I read Jack Sampson's book, um, Permit, and I watched everything that I could possibly watch from Will Flack on YouTube. And I just put all those pieces and just started to put it together with what I was doing and, and I changed things up and I started to get results. And I've got a lot of learning to do yet. Like I'm only a baby in the permit world. You know, I've only been chasing them since basically 2018 to now. So, you know, that, that's – but I have learned a lot. The last 12 months is um, – it's been a big light bulb moment for me. Oh. I've really enjoyed the last 12 months of learning and and watching fish behaviour and why some days they will eat and other days they won't. And you can pick up on that on their body language for if you really concentrate and watch those fish. A lot of the time you can tell which ones are going to eat. I know that's a pretty broad statement, but I am getting closer and closer to saying you're going to get an eat here. So because cool. you can watch the body language of the fish and some just have that I'm not interested body language and the others have gone, whoa, here we go. It's dinner time. 
that's, I, that's been really cool. This, that is that is so cool, man. Was just rewinding a bit. You know, you, um, we spoke about Jack Sampson and and Will Flack and and you know how to you know some of their techniques that were you know obviously successful for them on on feeding fish. And you know, you mentioned also that you had you had um, you'd you'd found traveling fish, and and now now that you're determining. Um, you know, you can read their moods a little bit better. Um, I just wanted to find out, though, like, I'm not asking you to give the game away, but you, how critical in your mind is it to find fish that are feeding if you want to catch permit? Or have you got things to the stage now where you can feed, you know, feed a traveller as long as you've got the right one in mind? Oh, yeah. If you There's travellers and then there's travellers from what I'm learning. There's travellers that are going somewhere and there's travellers that are looking as they're going. Right. And something I've, not, I've learned about permit is they don't do what Goldens do. They don't do that zigzag across the flat. They're going in a straight line and they stay on that straight line until something interrupts them. Now, right. the fish that I see um, that are travelling and stopping momentarily to look at something, they're obviously looking for food on the way to where they're going. So the right presentation to those fish still gets interest, but then you've got to talk them into eating what you're offering. And that is where I learned so much with Will's theory on the hula hoop. I was casting, you know, I was always frightened I was going to spook the fish. And once I started doing the hula hoop theory, it was another game changer. It, It was like, a whole new world of presenting that fly to that fish, and you know, I really, I really want to get into that into that theory. We'll we'll tick we'll tick that off later on. But um, you know, it does sound like a key a key part of the um, um, you know the equation. Um, but uh, I feel like we need to probably talk about you know you know where or where. Well, not say it's hard. I'm not asking you where, but are you still looking for feeding fish or do you, is your mind looking for feeding fish? Most definitely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty interesting. Like I said, that those fish that I notice that are stopping momentarily along their way to going to where they're going to there, those fish are still looking for something to eat. It's not as if they're the high riders that are just going somewhere. You know, they're, they're sort of on a mission, but um, I don't know, maybe stopping for coffee breaks on the way you can uh, put uh, it. I don't know. Well, you know, at, at something the end of- their attention and, you know, they think, oh, yeah, I might as well have a look at this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that, I don't know. You would have seen that footage that I cast at that fish from the drone. I couldn't see that fish, so that's why I believe that I I couldn't read what that fish was doing. I had Graham calling the shot about what that fish was doing. All I knew that there was a fish underneath the drone. Yep. So I put the fly there, and it came instantly came over. As soon as that fly landed, that fish came over, and he's, he just said to me, strip it, strip it. And I, I had no idea what the fish was doing. That fish tipped on that fly twice. But I think I pulled it away from it twice because mm. I couldn't see the fish. I didn't know what the fish was doing, which in turn 
made me make the wrong movement at the wrong time. Mm. Look, it's 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 very interesting, Paul. Like the the um, there's a common a common saying with permit that we've heard from many guests, and and I think you have to be living on a rock to not have a look at permit and have not heard people say this. Depending on what part of the world you live in, but we'll just say it because we're Australians. There's that you're bringing out you can bring out the Trevally in them, right? So that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, if you think of it like a, a GT, I mean, many people have seen GTs just cruise across the flats. And you can bombard them with all sorts of stuff, and they just then they're, they're not interested. Not unlike yeah. um, you know, the way you're describing some of those permit. Uh, at the same time, that's another fish that in a in a different mindset could easily be distracted and peel off to 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 eat a well presented fly. At the same time, so the only way you could really do that would be, um, you know, with Will Flax uh, hula hoop theory, right? To to, uh, to attack the fish somewhat. Do you think it's a, a hard and fast rule, though, what, the, that, that approach? Well, from what I've learned in the last 12 months, that's what I do. I tell the angler, put that fly two foot in front of that fish. Like, it, it, the splashdown really doesn't spook them that much. Well, not these fish here anyway. I don't know about elsewhere where they're more pressured, but the splashdown doesn't seem to affect them too much. A two to three feet in front of that fish, directly in front of him. Well, well, all the ones that I've caught, I've dropped that fly in front of them. As soon as it hits the bottom, I give it a little bump, and you just see the body language change. It is like, what's that? It's trying yeah. to get away. And then I instantly stop it. And then as soon as they tip, you can watch their body. They're on about a 45-degree angle. As soon as they start to tip to 60, you know that inhalation is going to happen. And you feel a little tick, and then you just strip set them. Mm. And that's that's how I've fished all my permits since watching Will. I've, I've been watching his stuff for 12 to 18 months now. Mm. Um, you know, I, I must say, I've got to add that Will's stuff and what I read in Jack Sampson's book is on the other side of the planet. It is completely right. different to, to the fishery I have here. Yeah. Um, Mackay's a different place as to um tides like there's always tidal movement so everything's moving boats moving fish are moving um there's a lot of movement happening happening so you just got to try and um land everything so that movement is taken into consideration and that's where i have a little bit of trouble with anglers you know they're mm. they're um they're not reacting quick enough so to speak mm. and and mending line stripping it rather than just mending it to stay tight to the line. You know, they don't like, from what I've seen and noticed in the last 12 months, there's not a lot of fly movement. It's it's that little bump, static fly, they come and suck it in. Mm. If it's moving too much, they just spook away from it or they just go, yeah, I'm not eating that and, yeah. and turn away. And I think that's what happened with that fish that I was talking about with the drone. Yeah. You know, I couldn't see the fish. I couldn't read its language, so I didn't get the hook up. It would have been epic if I did. Yeah, it would have been awesome, awesome footage. Yeah. Oh, it'll sure. happen. I'd like Graham's keen to come out and do some more filming, and uh, I just got to stop him from fishing. <laughs> <laughs> for, for people, for people who don't know, that they, they, you know, they should head to the uh, Instagram or social media pa Facebook that we mentioned earlier. And it's not that much of a deep scroll. It wasn't that long ago, but um, no, it's only a month ago, a month and a half ago. Yeah, it won't be hard to find. Um, yeah. Well, let me take you back a little bit here. You, you started to talk about the comparisons between um, Jack Sanson's book and and Will Flack's teachings. 
and then relating them to Mackay. Now, Mackay's um, obviously got a very different system than other areas of the country, which could potentially have you know, diff- fish with different moods, right? So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that and Mackay being a unique location compared, no, well, not even compared to the other, but we'll just learn about Mackay. So obviously you talked about big tides, but talk about um, bottom tide. But these usually pretty clean bottom flats that you're, that you're fishing over. So people will be prepared with weed guards or anything like that when they come and rock up with you? No, I don't need weed guards. It's mostly sand bottom. There are a couple of locations north when I, when I head north because I've got, I've got a lot of different locations where I chase these fish. It's not always yeah. in the same spot. Yeah. Depending on the wind um, and what direction it's coming from, we'll choo- I will choose whether I go sw- north of Mackay or south of Mackay, um, sometimes a long way south of Mackay. Um, it's just it's a matter of those winds and what I'm going to get. It's all about getting the best opportunity for the angler. Mm. I, last year I did not have an angler not see permit when I took them out there. And that's what I strive to do. And it was something that Will said that um, hit home with me is, and I'm the same way, I want them to catch that fish more than they do. That's, that's how I look at it. It's, it's, I want these guys to catch this fish. I'm wishing it for them to do it more, you know, more than they are, to be honest. It's, yeah. um, I don't know, I think that might be just a guides thing. Well, I don't think there may be any guy worth their salt that wouldn't want to fish vicariously through their angler, given you wouldn't be in that job if you didn't love fishing. And if you, he wasn't on the bow, you'd be on the bow. So, I mean, that's right. Yeah. Well, I actually just love seeing permits swim in the water. They have really yeah. got me addicted to just their look. When you see one side on that's not hooked, that's just swimming past the boat, it's just an amazing image. It is truly an amazing image. And, you know, it just sort of gets burnt into your brain. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, most people would agree that first time you see a, even a fish moon, that undeniable shape of a permit, you, you instantly know what everyone's talking about when they talk about when they see them. Yeah, and that, that mooning is, is a real bonus. Um, like when I had uh, Alberto here in January, which was really good, I kicked off a, a permit for the year on by, I think it was the 8th of January. Um, we had that fine cloud cover, you know, that real annoying stuff. Like I can handle the big puffy ones that come and go, mm. but when you get that full cloud cover, that real thin layer, yeah. with that, yeah, it just makes it impossible. And we saw the fish mooning and coming towards us and we had bow waves because it was glassy. And he, I said, there's, there's the fish, just drop it two foot in front of him, and he did, and that fish just swam over. He gave it one bump, and he ate it. Mm. Any further away from the fish, and the fish may not have seen that fly. Mm. And, like, Alberto's a very good caster. He's got, had two trips with me and got two permits. Um, but, you know, that helps. An, an angler that can cast accurately uh, with a heavy fly is a big bonus for a guide because – if you can't, you can't get the fly in front of the fish. And and one thing I've learned about these fish, if it's not in their view, they're not interested. They are, it's like what Will says about the hula hoop. It's got to be in that field of view, otherwise they are just not interested. And and getting back to when you, when you mentioned Jack Sampson and, and Will, I just took pieces of what I read and I've seen and added it to what I've got. You know, you could do that anywhere, but um, 
there was things in Jack Sampson's book that it was like a light bulb moment. I'm going, right, okay, I need to try that. And I did. And there was fish there. You know, okay. it was just little hints through the book of what he said, their characteristics and what they do. And I went, I've got a similar situation to that here. I'm going to look at that. And I did. And there, there was fish there. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's, if people want to do research, you know, like I've watched every permit um, clip on YouTube that is possible. I've watched a few of them several times. Um, just trying to pick up a little bit more info and a little bit more info. I'm, a, I'm like a sponge with them now. I just, they've really got me under their skin and I just want to know more and I want to know why and I want to know when. And, and if you can put all those what, when, where, why and how together, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Like I can confidently go out now if I've got the right conditions and I will say to an angler, if you put the cast in the right place, you're going to get a permit. Mm. Like that's how confident I've got with these fish here. Um, it's it, like I said before, it's a weather thing. If you get the right conditions, you can't see shit loads. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a shit loads. I love that confidence. You know, so I, I love your confidence. It's so reassuring, you know. All my fishing's confident bolts. It's, it's, it, I'm, I'm a confidence fisherman. If I've got something on that I don't like, I take it off. I say to anglers all the time, if they're using a fly or a lure they don't like, you know, because they'll look and go, oh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'll go, well, if you don't like it, take it off. Show me, here's the box. Here, show me what you want. Yeah. Because an angler has to have confidence in what they're casting. Otherwise, there's negative vibes going down that line, and they're not going to catch a fish. Mm. Yeah, right. And I've done that right from back in my early tournament days. It's, it's, you've got to be confident in what's on the end of that line because if the vibes aren't right, you're not going to catch fish. Absolutely. That's a very good point. It's, it's probably one of the most important things with me is being confident with them. You know, like oh. Oh, they, had, they had me beat up for three years. They really had me beat up. I was seeing lots and lots of permit, and I wasn't even – like I'd caught four permit in four – no, six permit in four, uh, three years here. And – they real. I was getting to a point where I was going to say stuff this, and then Gav's crab come along, and I put those pieces I was talking about before from Will and from Jack Sampson, put all that together, mixed it in the bowl, and voila, I started banging ferment. So, well, let's, yeah. let's just want to touch on something before we move on because there's a lot to unpack there. But when you talk about confidence, right? So, I was starting to think when you were talking about, and you said, you know. I'm confident I can see a lot of permit here. Volti says, you know, I love your confidence. Then you talk about your confidence as an angler about what you tie. I thought I sort of thought that'd be, you know, that's another another context of confidence, you know, that were two two opposing things. But then it sort of hit me then along the same lines there. Are you saying that you're con like every time you go out, you're like, I mean, if, uh, let me put this another way. If you're confident in what you're using, you're gonna tie that tie that fly on every time you go out. If you're if you put that into the same context of what you said about seeing permit. Are you confident that you would see permit every time you go out in Mackay? Definitely. If I've got the weather conditions, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and it's only the weather. I mean, if you were to go and brave the weather conditions and, you know, sometimes the weather conditions can uh, create murky water, but they're there all the time, essentially, well, whether you're out there or not. Generally, you know, if you've got a week of wind, you're going to get murky water. But, you know, if it's only just started blowing, 
I've got my almanac here, and in July last year, it was blown 20 to 25, and I rang a mate, Shane, which I actually got him his first permit in March last year. The day it was the day, the day after I got my five from eight for the day. I rang Shane up. I said, "You want to go permit fishing?" And he's gone. Yeah. So this was in July. It was already, he'd already had one permit under his belt. And he said, "It's blowing a gale." I went, "Yeah, I've got another spot that I want to try in wind." You know, again, this comes back to me spending the time on the water, learning about different areas and what conditions I can fish them in. And I know I can confidently fish that area in 20 knots plus of wind if the angler can cast, of course. And I hooked a permit that day and lost it. I put the footage on my my thing and a few people commented that they thought they heard uh, an explicit going through the mountains <laughs> several times, but I didn't. I, I, I was fine with it. I'd hooked, a, I'd hooked a permit in 20 plus knots of wind, but yeah. we didn't have a cloud in the sky. And, you know, in winter here, you do get – quite a bit of wind, but you get cloudless skies. You know, that's what dry season does. You get those clear skies. So that's why I went and put those yards in on that day to see what would happen. And that that's same with everybody that fishes. you just got to go and do it and try. Mm. You know, that's the, the main thing I could say to people is if you think there's fish there, go and have a look. You yeah. know, you don't wait for somebody to tell you about it or yeah. – um, get spoon-fed stuff, go and have a look, and that's how you learn. That's how I learn. Yeah, well, or you could say you can't make a tackle from the grandstand, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I've heard that before somewhere. Yeah. Hey, Paul, that's a Baltiism. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Paul, with with regards to that, I mean, you know, it, I'm really impressed with the fishermen who can, um, um, you know, produce under a variety of circumstances. Um, particularly when it comes to a, to something like flats, um, you know, it's no secret. I'm super impressed with, with you as a fisherman and guide and known each other for years. Um, um, but the thing that always, when I fish Mackay, um, in that area is, is, and you've sort of alluded to it, the, the, the hot tide, you know, um, let's say the tide heights, um, the, the range of movement there is just incredible. There's like your, your actual window at each spot um, is quite small at times. Uh, yeah, but if you pick the right tides, no. You know, if, if you work the neeps, um, you get two sets, really good two sets of neeps every month. Uh, then you've got to get the weather to suit those neeps. Um, like I've gone out on five and a half metre tides that have run down to under a metre, you know, a lot of water movement. But I learnt on that day too. I learnt other stuff um, other than the the um, the flats themselves. I learnt about the movement, how fast it moves, what I can do, what I can't do. And that, you know, that was just time and money spent on fuel and going to learn those things. Um, but if you work the right tides, um, there's a lot of, lot of possibilities of catching permit, but you need to put yourself in the right place at the right time. I can work a day now where if I got the right conditions, I can start an angler at seven o'clock in the morning and still see fish at two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, wow. you know, it's, it's hopping from one spot to another, like I'm burning fuel running, but that's what you do. You know, like it's all about getting the angler fish and me yeah. wanting that angler to get off my boat 
having seen permit and having had shots at permit. Tell mm. me before we before we go uh, too much further. Tell me about your ideal angler. Um, you know, in terms of their their attributes, what they bring to the table, their preparation, sort of thing. Yeah, do you mean preparation? Yeah, no, I don't want any names. You know, because you know it'd be pretty embarrassing. But um, you know, what what are they? Are they good casters? Are they fast casters? Are they long casters? Are they accurate casters? You know, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not well, a big believer. You need to cast long. You right. need to cast accurately. That has my been my biggest thing with fly fishing my whole life. Is you know, I do, as you know, I spent a lot of time guiding in Harvey Bay, and yeah. accuracy is the key. You know, like generally you don't get shots at fish from a hundred feet because you're not seeing them properly at 100 feet. Correct. You can't make out what they're doing at 100 feet. It's that 40 to 60 feet that most of the fish get caught in. You know, I've had permit hooked 30 foot from my boat. You know, like it, it, you don't have to be a long caster, but accuracy with a heavy fly. And mm. I always send an email to the anglers a month out, say, I want you to do some practice with a 10-weight rod in wind with two-gram weight on the end of your fly line. Uh, and put it where you need to put it. If you can do that, you're going to catch permit here. Yep. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a day that I took an angler last season that they did not see permit on the flats and have shots. They didn't all catch them because they couldn't put that heavy crab. You know, I had guys say, can we, can we put on a different crab or a, a lighter fly? And I said, well, you can, but they're not going to eat it. I spent mm. three years throwing all that stuff at them. And they're not going to eat it. This is what they want. And if you put it in front of them, they will eat it in a heartbeat because mm. that's what they're doing here. Yeah. Must and be that frustrating. Was, that was goes back to when I said to Dustin and the boys, there's going to be a silver bullet fly. There's going to be one that these fish aren't going to refuse too often. And fortunately, Gav did that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, mate. You brought that fly up a, a couple of times. In it, so um, it, it was a real line in the sand moment. You're saying, oh, it's right? all it's all that gets tied on. I don't tie on anything else. Hmm. To chase these permit here, it's a gas crab. There's I don't waste my time with anything else because I tried everything else. I tried hmm. um, like Volti's uh, destroyer. Nah, you're right. A lot of people have forgotten that one, mate. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> but um, actually. <laughs> They weren't Volties because the ones he gave me, the rubber legs went all crappy because I'd had them for quite a few years. Um, <laughs> but the one Sam McGowan tied, he he tied them very similar in a tan colour, and which is very similar colour to Gav's crab. Yep. And I got two fish on those. I had a lot of interest with it, but they would just refuse. And... Um, <clears throat> I don't know what it is, whether it's a thin little rubber legs that just don't look, you know, to be real or there's too much movement or what, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a big game changer when Gav's Crab came along. That was, again, I'll, I'll use the term light bulb moment for me because that was the day I went out and got five from eight and it was just uphill from there. It was just like a rock. Going, like going, you know, up. It was just amazing. Well, we spoke about flies with Will, right? And um, and one of the things that um, I brought up with Will was the fact that some of these flies, um, some flies are caricatures of of the prey items that, you know, for a fish that's got such big eyes 
and like I said on that on that show, like that big lump in the front of its head, which we really don't know what's in there, what what sort of perception they have when they're hunting prey, that they they have eaten plenty of. I mean, BGDCs have caught stacks of permit, man. Like I mean, to, to yeah. be fair, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, stay with us, but um, but like it's uh, you know, like you it, when you look at it in your hand, and if we've got a fish that's got just as good, arguably just as good eyesight as us. We know it's not a crab. They must know it's not a crab. They must be going for it for the caricature of these items that trigger a response. Now, the Gav's crab doesn't have a lot of movement. It's got no movement, in fact, with it. Really, it's quite a static crab, but it's very realistic. Uh, do you, do you, you know, you're leaning. I know you like to lean towards the more realistic thing, but I mean, there's other aspects of of the Gav's crab that you you don't find in other flies as well, like the way the way it sinks. I mean, if you're talking about chucking it at their face. You're gonna. You don't want that thing to 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 spin down like a spiral because then. But you know, because like, a gav's crab will sink level like a like a real crab would, right? That's so, correct. Yeah. yeah. So do you think? Do you do you? What do you? What do you think the biggest attribute to that crab is? And when we're talking about caricatures, realism, or or action, or anything like that. I, I think a big part of it is it sinks hook up. Yep. It lands the right way up. It looks like a moon crab, mm. and it's not a movement, uh, a stripping fly. It's not a fly that you're going to move a lot. Like I said, I'll land it two foot in front of them, two to three foot. As I, I try to pull up at three foot max. Mm. I'll land it. As soon as they get a little bit closer, I give it a little bump, and I just watch them go, what's that? And it's like they've just, they sort of charge on it and stop. Mm. that's when I know that I've got full interest of that fish about to eat that fly, and that's when I'm watching that body language. As soon as it tips higher, you know they're going to implode that crab. And so, I yep. think it's just a dead ringer for what they're actually eating here. Yeah. Well, the, the thing I've noticed from fishing that, that fly as well is that if you do strip it off the bottom, like give it a hard strip, right, um, yeah, it'll come off the bottom a horizontal hook point up and it will it will flutter back down hook point up as well which i would imagine if a crab was gonna be startled off the bottom and flick up because plenty of people i've seen them i'm sure you've seen them I'm sure i've all seen them, moon crabs will swim mid-water column you know like they'll they could oh, be up yeah. near the surface uh hypothetically a permit could be cruising along it's gone holy shit and uh, and try to get to the bottom as quick as possible or what looks like a a, a fly falling through the water column and hitting the bottom right or if it's startled to kick up out of the way with it because it's got those big Flippers on it, right? Um, I've seen three permit eat that crab on the sink. There you go. Yeah, yep. And one yep. of them was um, Pete's at ninety-seven sentiments. Wow! He landed that fish, fish, that crab out in front, and there was four big permit. And as soon as that fly hit the water, that fish just swam over and nailed that thing. Mm. Just because they're sinking upright, they're not spinning. They're, it's it's a natural. Like a, a normal moon crab would not flip over and and go to the bottom. Yeah. Now I I tried to try and compensate with anglers. I tried to tie lighter moon crabs, uh, gavs crabs, mm. and they don't work. They flip over. Mm. And I'm a big believer if if that crab sinks naturally, and lands naturally on the bottom. I think too because they're heavy. When it lands, it'd make that little, you know, that little. Like um, yeah, sort of a little puff of sand on the bottom like it's trying to bury itself. 
yeah. that again comes back to a natural thing. Like I know permit get caught on all sorts of creations and different shrimp patterns. Like I caught my first one here on a shrimp pattern. Mm. Um, but I've had a hell of a lot more success on Gav's crab. So that's what gets tied on. It's until that changes, I won't change. I'm not a you know, it's the same when I do my empowerment stuff. If something's working, I don't change it. Mm. Now when yeah. it doesn't work, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, why, why would you? You know, what I mean, how many? What's your numbers now? Like, in, like last season, how many did? I mean, it's pretty impressive, and I think they put into before you quote. Well, before you quote this, the net last be, season. Hang on, I, I missed that, but I was going to say before you quote that number, it's worth pointing out that you're a, you're a single operation guy, right? There yeah. are there there's people there's outfits and uh, organisations that have probably caught more permit throughout the whole group of guides that have worked for them. But as a single operator, your numbers are pretty impressive. And if you, if you could just go over that one more time, because I, I missed it. Well, there was 24 brought, brought to the net last yep. season. That's what was landed. Okay. Um, well, and last season we had unbelievable flooding at the first half of the year too. I had crap weather. I, I, honestly, it was um, it was pretty difficult, you know. Uh, from the 24th of March um, to the 15th of November, I had 26 days on the flats targeting permit. That was just strictly permit. On cloudy days, you know, I've got the option that I can take anglers and chase tuskies because you can still see tuskies when it's cloudy. You know, you're seeing them very close and it's very difficult, but you can still get shots at them. With permit, it's pretty impossible because you see them and they're right beside the boat. And, you know, they freak out, you freak out, and it's, it's just gone. But in those 26 days that I did get, there was nobody on my boat that did not get to see and have shots at permit. Wow. And if I could get 50 days a year of good weather, I could show people permit 50 days in the year. Like I'm that confident that I go out on those flats and I know I'm going to see permit. That's amazing. And now, now that I've learned where to be and when to be there, they're going to get real shots and potential hookups. That's how I got Alberto. He's fishing in January, you know, that's the first time I've caught one in January. Yeah. Paul, yep. um, I was going to jump in here. Um, you took a guy out who, uh, his name's BJ, and he um, he rang me uh, when he got back from that. The guy was over the moon, mate. You did a really good job. You got that guy hooked. Um, tell us a bit about that day. Um, yeah, we started early. We had sickles and tails everywhere. Yeah. Um. They're hard when they're doing that, you know. They're they're waiting. They're staged up, and they're waiting to start going to where they're going. You know, it's it's a it's a funny part. I have caught them doing that, but you've got to be very accurate again. It's got to be in front of the fish. Um, the trouble is, is some of the ones that you can see their sickles and tails. There's fish below them as well, so you've got to try and pick out that lead fish because if you cast at one of the sickles and tails and drop it in front of him and you line a fish that's below him, he spooks on it, they all spook. So, but yeah. anyway, that morning we, we saw fish and he, he actually hooked the fish in the morning and popped him off. Um, he just went a little bit too hard and, and the leader popped and uh, yeah. he was a bit down and I was a bit down, but we didn't drop our lips and we stuck to the game and he saw a lot more fish and I moved locations three times and yeah. i think he got his fish at about two in the afternoon wow. the day was pretty much done and dusted that's perfect yeah 
I don't give up, mate. Like, you know, if I have to, I do overtime. That's just what I do. I've always done that. If I know that there's a good chance somebody's going to get a shot, I'll stay an extra hour. I don't it, care. It's, only it's a vibe, isn't it? It's a vibe. Oh, I just love being there and doing it. I love seeing permit. It's like I said, they oh, they got me under their skin. I just love, I love seeing anglers cast at them, you know, in, in the hope that I can get them their first permit. Mm. It's, a, it's a pretty epic experience to see somebody holding onto their first permit. You know, it's just, it's pretty good. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe Volts you get out. It's been a minute for you, right? Yeah, mate. It's been a minute since I got a um. I got a perm, so fucking um, all of this is is really getting uh, is getting me hot under the the permit collar, so to speak. Paul, I got a I got another question. Just going back to the crabs, and I, I wanna I wanna do I wanna play a little bit of a devil's advocate with this question, I suppose, and say that you think you think that the gavs crab turned up at the time when when you happen to just work out these fish, or do you think that um, that the gas crab added to working at these fish? Oh, definitely added to it. There's no doubts about that. Like I knew before gas crab, I knew where I needed to be and casting other crabs. Like I got one in November 2020, I think, when Dan Bloom came up uh, and fished with me. Um, I gave him shots at permit, and I actually, you know, it was a it was a wreck day. We were it was Randall Bryant is a good mate of mine, and Dan is Randall's son. Mm-hmm. So you know, he was up in Mackay, and I said, "Come for a fish," and I showed him sickles and tails, um, and I actually got a a permit that day on uh, one of Sam's multi style crabs. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think if I had a persisted with that pattern, I probably would have caught a few last year if Gav's crab didn't come along. But from what I've seen, casting that crab, and you, as you know, Chris and Bolts, I've modified to what I want. You know, like I've put spots on them, I've coloured the carapace a bit more, um, I put eyes on them, I'm messing with different coloured eyes and different, just different, more some with lots of spots, some with only a few spots. Because I've looked at a million photographs of moon crabs on the on the net. Um, just trying to mix it up a little bit. Some days I'll cast them without spots, some days I'll cast them with spots. Mm. And they all seem to produce, but I'm more confident throwing the spotted one than I am the non-spotted one. But again, yeah. that comes back to what I said earlier about confidence, what you've got on the end of the line. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you're, you're, and this is what we would encourage anyone who's listening to this because Mackay doesn't exist in Western Australia, doesn't exist in the Northern Territory, doesn't exist in Victoria. What you're doing, Paul, is is translating your observations to the vice and then to the water, and yeah. um, you could color that 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 moon crab in hot pink with purple polka dots, and if it's that, if that's what the crabs in that area look like, um, or moon crabs in general. And that's what they're going to eat because you don't you don't get a say in it. Like it's your my opinion, your opinion, everyone's opinion doesn't mean jack shit unless well, the fish eats. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And yep. like I keep saying about confidence, you know, like if you've got confidence that that fish, and you know, like getting twenty four hookups on that crab the last season, 
has given me a shitload of confidence to keep using it. Mm. And like I said, until something changes, I'm not changing. It's just how it's going to be. Uh, Gav's cooked a good one there. It's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty technical little crab, you know. I guess you could say, and you know, there's each little individual component that goes into tying it is is just as important as as the other, you know. Like, um, you would cringe yeah. if you watched me tie one of these, Chris. Honestly, <laughs> oh, I know, but you, you, I mean, you could, you, I'm sure you would agree that you understand the principles that makes it sink the right way up, what um, the way that the way that it it the drag acts on it in the water. And you're yeah. at body, no matter how rough it is or whatever you think it is, and I'm sure it's not as rough as you're making out to be, but because they're eating it. But like um, the crabs, they come but, up, they come off right in the end, but it's yeah. just my process of doing it. Yeah, it's but, not it's not like your video. I I go, yeah, it takes me a lot longer. It's yeah, but I'm not I a fly. Guy. I never have been. No, but my point is that you can't you can't get around the rules of 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 weight drag buoyancy in the water right i mean whether you tie it the same way or use the wrong same same hooks different hooks wrong i didn't mean to say that um it doesn't matter like the fact of the matter is that it's just not a matter of mimicking what you see in a photo like you've got to adhere to what works right you know what i mean like it's um i use, I use all all the principles like you did in the video it's just yeah. the way i go about it to get there absolutely you know? yeah no i understand you i guess that's a that's a good point because you know, it's um, you know, I'd hate to see someone listening to this and, and like, uh, I mean, fill your boots, go go do a DIY for sure. But you've got to understand, you've got to you've got to create that principle of the way it works in the water. That's that's the main thing. If you're gonna do that first, then work on the aesthetics, and that's the way it goes. So yeah, like, like I yeah. said, I try to tie lighter ones to to give anglers that can't cast them, uh, the heavy ones, shots with that fly. Um, and it just doesn't work. If there's not enough weight underneath, they flip over. Yeah. And now, as soon as I throw a fly in the water, if it flips over, I go, take it off. It's no good. Mm. Yep. It's, 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 if the hook's riding down, the suck in, when they suck it in, everything's wrong. Um, you know, there's less chances of a hookup. And one mm. thing I have noticed about Gav's crab, a lot of my permit for myself and my anglers that, that fish with me are in the back of their throat. Now, to me, that's telling me that that crab has really fooled that fish. You know, he's he's really meant to eat it because, you know, you know the way some listeners probably don't, but the way a permit eats, they're an implosion feeder. Mm. They stick the crab back, they crush it, swallow the juices, and they'll spit some of the crap out. Mm. So if they're taking that fly straight back to their crushing plates, that's got like three inches inside its mouth which gives you a chance to get that hook set before it exhales it mm. and that's that's what i try and tell anglers if you feel the tick it's in its throat that's when you need to strip strike mm. but not hard like you pop it off i've had two yeah. ang three anglers three yeah anglers. bj <laughs> <laughs> i've had three anglers pop permit off yep by on the strike and you know i say what did you do that for <laughs> because they're on flats um it's pretty generally a little bit, a bit more like added to that but i'm trying to keep it nice um <laughs> but yeah it, it, it that's a frustrating part because you work so hard to get that permit to eat and then you pull that hard that you pop 20 pound tippet mm. like really 
it's the permit over sand. It can't do anything. It's not going to brick you on anything. It's just going to run. Mm. Well, oh. buck fever is a funny thing, isn't it? Sorry, Vols. Didn't mean to talk over Toby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I just had a, a question related to the fly. That um, Paul, are you using the jig hook or are you using a, another store? No, I used the uh, the original one. Gav tied the S. What is it, Chris? S A S A two seventy. You like? Yeah. S A two seventy, and I put my own bend in it. Yep. The, yep. the the bends paramount. I don't know. Uh, I've just never been a fan of jig hooks. I tried jig hooks on flies years ago. Like I'm talking twenty years ago, and mm. I just didn't get the hookups. And like I said, it's a confidence thing with me. If if something doesn't work. I just push it to the back and I don't mm. use it anymore until something changes. Like I have caught fish permit on the ones with jig hooks and I've had mm. anglers come on my boat and catch them on the jig hooks. But me personally, it's a confidence thing. Mm. You know, like I like that 2.0 size hook. I like a bigger hook. If it's, gonna, if it's got more gape, it's got more chances of finding somewhere before it's back, back out again because yeah. they're, they're lightning fast. They're like barramundi. In and out, same as goldens. It can go in and out of their mouth faster than you can blink your eye. Mm -hmm. And with a wider gate, it can find the edge of the, the corner of the mouth, the lip, or something on the way out. With a smaller gate, there's less chance of that happening. So I'm just trying to put more chances in my favour. Absolutely. You know yep. Look, um, I, uh, for me personally, just to add to the conversation rather than interview, like I, I as as a retailer who's selling the products for it you know people were people were asking for it or asking where they could do it i guess you could say and um you know it went out for a bit and i used them um i've used them the jig hook and bent my own eye of the hook up i guess i've used the jig hook because uh, i didn't want to sell anything that i wouldn't use either i guess you could say um i think i think i think it's so long as the principles adhere to as in like you got enough room to tie it on You've got the eye eye turned up so the, the the lead is acting as part of the keel. Um, you know, like you, you, it doesn't really matter which one you choose. The jig hook is pretty convenient for a lot of people who don't want to bend the hook or don't know where to bend the hook or how to bend the hook. You know, all that sort of stuff. But um, but yeah, I, look, I don't think anyone should tear it apart. I think the main the main pickup from this part of the conversation is understand how it works first. Yeah. Correct. Yep. You know, and and I know the jig hooks work because I've I've caught fish on them and I've seen fish caught on them. Mm. Um, you know, I've tied these crabs on four ups, on SL twelve four ups. You know, a bigger a bigger crab. I'm trying to go bigger and bigger. You know, like because there is moon crabs here that are like I don't know forty. Size of your fist. Forty millimeters across the body. You know, like oh, Volti's fist then. There's some seriously big fish here. Like, I've seen permits that have just gone, holy crap. Yeah. You know, these things are big. There's fish well in excess of a metre swimming around on these flats. How, you know, big do, how big do you reckon is the biggest one you've seen? Just, I mean, no one's, no one's going to hold you to it. For metre 10. Metre 10. Four? Yeah. In that category. It's hard to say when they're in the water, you know, everything Not looks big in the water. But yeah. Mickey Finn's was 98 centimetres. Pete Barron's got one at 97 centimetres. We didn't yeah. measure Graham's. It was a big fish. It was in high 90s. Hmm. Um, but the day that I got Mickey that big fish, 
um, we were going up for another drift, and he went, look at these GTs coming. There was three of them. I said, Mickey, they're permanent. And he just could not believe his eyes. And those fish just swam past the boat, stuck their pecks up, and went, yeah, catches, losers. Um, and, you know, it got me thinking when I heard Will talking about squid flies, you know, but it's hard to have something ready to cast specifically for that big fish. You know, yeah. you want to you want to play your numbers game with permit to get the maximum amount of shots. So you've got Gav's crab on and you're ready to present that to anything from a 20 centimetre to a 90 centimetre fish. Mm. So, you know, to, and you don't get the chance to get that line out of the way and get another rod up there and strip the line out or or drag the line up and get the shot with the big squid fly because they those big fish are travelling and they're travelling fairly quickly. You get a lot of um, what I call wave riders here. You'll yep. see them coming in and they're, they're you know, because we get a bit of swell in Mackay. That's another thing that people have got to get a handle on when they're on the on the deck of the boat. There is swell that's going to lift and move the boat around. It's not, you know, uh, places like Hinchinbrook don't have swell. It's nice and flat and calm. Mackay's not like that. It, there's a little bit more, there's a little bit more involved in, in flat fishing here, permit fishing here. Um, you're talking, you're you, talking about like like ground swell, like 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 surfing swell, not not. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah. there's a surf here in Mackay when you know when we get no, lows coast and stuff, but it's not. No, I mean, like Lake Awonga will get waves from the wind, you know. I mean, like little, yeah, roll, but, little rollers, like you know, it's, yeah, just, yeah, it's just ocean swell that comes in. Yep. Um, gotcha. But yeah, just you know, it's it's nearly it's nearly thrown me off my perch because I stand on top of the console. I've only got about a an inch square where I stand, um, but I've, I've sort of made put things in place to to make things even better. I've got the front cast platform now, um, and I've put sea deck on the back um, live well, so two anglers can fish at a time out of my boat. You know, you can have an angler up the front. If he blows the shot, there's a guy standing down the back ready to cast, because the fish generally swim past the side of the boat. Um, so the guy at the front obviously gets the first shot. If he blows it and doesn't spook those fish, the guy at the back can have a shot mm. and get a hookup, which has happened. So, and I've just had a, a small rail made. So when I'm standing up on top of the console, I can hang on and I've got something to steady my balance because standing in a 10 inch square is, you know, with your feet together, it's, um, you need pretty good balance to do it. I actually mm -hmm. came down off it when I had Alberto here in January and my leg was still tied up around the rail around the console and I was down on the floor. I was lucky I didn't break my leg. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, being a rigger for all these years, it's sort of part and parcel of what you do. You know? Yeah. You'd, you'd be pretty I'd, tough. Lights don't bother me. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Look, it's um, – <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I, I, I think it's um probably good for people to know right now. Like you would have heard about the Bonza flights that ca that have started out, right? The Bonza Airlines. Yep, yep. That's um that's pretty exciting. I mean that's um that's offering. Like, I had a look on the site the other day, um, and there was only certain flights coming to Mackay. But I was told, uh, I was contacted the, the the other day by the guy that does Australian Fishing Championships, the AFC. Um, he told me there's going to be direct flights from Victoria. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. That's going to open the door for a lot of fly fish shows to come up here and um, 
and see what Mackay's all about. I yeah. agree, mate. If, if there's one thing that would just make Mackay that little bit better, it'd be a shit ton of Victorians, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Only for a couple of days, Volks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a flight out of here every three days and they'll be on it. (laughs) Uh, Victorians are all right. It's just the beer they drink. (laughs) They don't really wash their hands either, I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, come on, eat up. (laughs) No, that's, I mean, it's going to be a great thing to open up the area. I mean, for regional areas everywhere around Australia, but I mean, Mackay is definitely under that category. And and if people are listening, haven't heard of Bonza Airlines yet. Get out and check it out. It's um, it's a pretty good uh, budget airline, I guess you could say. Uh, but they're not flying to, they're not flying to major uh, airports. They might be flying from, but they're flying to regional areas. So it opens up areas like Lockenkai, as an example. If you if you download the Bonza Air app, hmm. um, you can check out where the flights go to from and how much they are. And I think it was eighty nine dollars or something from Sunshine Coast to here. Yeah. yeah that- with, that's going with, to open the door. That, that's with checked on luggage too. That was with 27 kilos of luggage they were allowing for that. Yeah, and that's, that's going heaps. to open the door. It's a lot of crap. Yeah. Drive to the sunny coast yeah. and get a flight from sunny coast to Mackay, come fish, and fly back home again. Yeah. You know, It'd only be like a, maybe geez, an hour flight at best, right? Well, when coast. I used to do um, uh, territory work, I always got flown Darwin to Brisbane and then Brisbane to Mackay um, on the Qantas link. Um, yeah, I think it was about an hour and 25 Yeah, from Brisbane to Mackay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going it's, it, to – hopefully it's going to um, open Mackay up a little bit more because it, it's a lot of the flights are, are choppers with um, uh, FIFO workers. Um, yeah. which makes it expensive, you know. Like when the mines are buying up the tickets, it makes it expensive for people to just to fly here. And, you know, to come from Victoria or Sydney now, it's, it's an, it involves two flights. You've got to go Sydney, Brisbane, Brisbane, Mackay. You know, there's the flights from Newcastle, I think, to Mackay. Um, and then there's going to be Victoria. So, yeah, it's going to – hopefully it's going to um, bring a lot more people here to see what we've got because it is – you know, it's not only a brilliant fly fishery, it's a brilliant fishery overall. The the potential of fishing here is phenomenal, and I've said that since day one when I moved here. Oh, yeah. um, that's, that's what I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, you, you go. Oh, I was going to say, we're, we're sort of getting to the forked end of the show right now, and um, um, permit pun there, guys. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, that was what I wanted to highlight with some of the other fishing there. Like, I mean, I think it would be a miss not to get you on and talk about some of the impoundment barra. I mean, what a great crossover, like permit one day, impoundment barra that night. Well, it was actually last 15th of November. I went with Graham, mate, and I took him to show him these tailing permit because there's a spot that I've found. And it, it was another thing that Will said that he does that I have always done. I always stand up when I drive. I'm not a sitter. Um, I I always like to be on the lookout for stuff. And I was actually fishing a flat that a mate told me about that he saw, he flew over it in, in his uh, mate's dad's small plane. And he said, I saw mooning permit. So I'd been to this flat, particular flat north of um, Seaforth, a fair way north of Seaforth that he told me about. And twice I'd been there and hadn't seen a thing. And it might have been just that day that he, 
flew over it that the, the, the fish were there and mooning. So I'd left that flat and I'm fanging back. So I was going to go and chase tuskies. So I'm fanging back and I'm, I'm skimming over sort of two and three foot of water. And just out of the corner of my eye, I just saw a half a dozen permit just take off. And I went, holy crap. So I stopped, put the lecky in, and it was another five minutes, and here comes another four permit. I've dropped out, goes crap, boom, gotcha, and got a permit. And I went, wow, I just learned something. And that was because I was standing up. If I was sitting down looking at the sounder or looking at the GPS, whatever, I wouldn't have seen those fish. Mm. It's funny because every time I've been back to that flat, I've shown anglers permit. Now, that's been another a little golden moment for me because from that flat in the distance, I went, wow, well, I wonder what those flats are like. And the day that Graham and I were there, we were waiting for the tide for this flat, and I went, let's go and check them out. I've always wanted to have a look at that. I went over there, and here's Golden's tailing. Mm. Well, we're waiting for the flat that the permit tailor. And if I hadn't have seen those fish that first day by standing up and driving, I wouldn't have seen the second flat with the golden and then the, fir- the third flat that the permit actually tail on. So, you know, there's, there's always I, – I try and learn something every time I go on the water. Mm. Getting back to what I, was, what I was talking about with Graham, we got a fish tailing each, two casts, two fish. Yep. The wind got up, said, start this, let's go. So we left. I came home, washed my boat. And I went over to Kinchin and I caught Barra on fly that night. Like, <laughs> that's what you can do here. You know, with, it, you know, it's hard to take an angler permit fishing and then go Barra fishing that night, but you can oh, do it the next night. It's a special breed. It, it wouldn't you know, be for everyone. Yeah, well, that's a big day. You know, it's, it's a pretty hardcore day. Yeah. Um, I'm just doing it because <laughs> I'm getting older and there's going to come a point in time where I'm not going to be able to do it. So I'm just pinning as many as I can while I can. Mm. Um, because I know age is catching up with me, you know, it's, it's starting to hurt. By the time, <laughs> by the time shapes us all, mate, that's for sure. Oh, that's exactly right. And, yep. but yeah, the potential, you know, if, if anglers did come here and, um, you know, it's a cloud out and it's, it gets windy, I can take them walking mountain streams and catch sooties on five weights. Mm. Um, you know, as long as they've got footwear and pants, there's no crocodiles. You know, there's the odd taipan and brown and black snake that cruise the edge of the creeks, but, you know, they're not really out to hurt anybody. You know, if you make enough noise, they go away. Um, yeah, but there's good sooties to be caught. And then, yeah. you know, I've got timber, I've got kinchin, I've got, you know, down the river. If they don't like wading streams, I can take them down the river in the boat. The river's just had a big flush. A lot of the weed's gone. And, you know, you can go down and catch sooties late afternoon on a dalberg. So... It's pretty, pretty textured. Do, do you get many people that would do a week there and want to have that variety? Well, I had um, Wayne and Derek. Wayne was interesting. He um, he got two permit on his first day and lost one. Derek, I think Derek lost one that day or, um, yeah, he lost one that day. So we had four hookups the first day that I fished them on the flats, but I did them on Barra first mm. because I timed them because um, he said, you know, we want to catch Barra in the lakes and we want to go permit fishing. And that's where it comes down to me of working out, I need the moon phase for the barra, but I need the neeps for the um, permit fishing. So we fished some barra and then we had a day off to wait for the tides to get close to right. 
and we went out on the flats. And yeah, first day he got two two permits from three hooked, and Derek dropped one. So you know we had four hookups on the first day on the flats. The next mm-hmm. day I think we hooked three and lost three. Derek popped one off, which I said again, "What did you do that for?" Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the third day we had cloud out, and that's when I said, "Look." We're not going to see any permit where we fished the last two days, so we need to change the game plan and go and chase some tuskies. And I got Derek a tusky. That the next day we did see permit, but all too late because uh, the cloud. But I did show him the tailing permit. But by then the wind was at fifteen knots plus, and it was very difficult to manoeuvre the boat and try and get them shots before I got blown off the fish. Mm. And that's where, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while. And as I spoke to you about it, Chris, that I'm I'm contemplating putting a um, a power pole or the Minn Kota Raptor on my boat, which it looks like it'll be the, the Raptor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've just got to bite the bullet, you know. We're looking down the barrel of close to four grand. Yeah. And that's a big that's a big investment, you know, but it will it will help anglers with permit fishing here because I'm gonna be able to stop the boat dead. And yeah. I find that's where a lot of people have problem, and that's what I was talking about earlier about mending their line without stripping the fly. Yeah, you know, a lot of guys strip too fast in the mending, and they're actually moving the fly, yeah. and they the permit just don't like that. Yeah, that, I said that on a recent. So I, I really attribute that shallow water anchor. I reckon, to like, I think, I think you'll. I mean, obviously, from your observation of the water and the, all the time and all the permit you've caught, you can see the value in that. It's amazing how many people aren't aware of shallow water anchors and, and what they do, even if it's a sand spike, you know? Oh, so, I've got one of those, but the sand here, hmm. because of the tide variation, the sand is packed very hard. I've, I actually had the um, sand spike the day BJ. I took BJ out. Hmm. Um, and I was I was using it as a pole and then trying to, to steer it into the sand and stop the boat, but I just couldn't drive it into the sand. In Harvey Bay, I could because it was – um, very aerated from all the yabbies. Where mm. here the sand is compacted so hard because of the big tide variation, the tide goes out so far, and then that sand compacts down. And, you know, I can only get it in like three or four inches, and Sorry. it won't hold. Mm. Oh, it's come so, on, man. Sorry. Sorry. Um, no, like, it, you're right. It's right. But, like, the the the, um, the hydraulic uh, shallow water anchors, um, like the power pole blade, uh, for, as an example, like they'll they'll hold in that area because they've got that ability to keep adjusting themselves, really, haven't they? So, yeah, that's, that's um, right. yeah. I mean, it's it's look, it's a. I think if anyone's listening to the show here, that's um, at this point, man, it's it's worth considering. That's for sure. I think you'd have, I think you'd probably have to fish you one, like, one. You know, they're all eight and ten footers and fifteen footers. I would love to see one that's a five or a six footer. Yes, there, there are. For flats fishing, there are you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people um, you know flats fishing's gaining momentum in this country but it's not huge mm. but see one that you know that would just do real shallow stuff rather than having that eight to ten foot option because I'm never going to fish Paul, for they, permit any flats fish in eight to ten foot of water it's just not going to happen. I'll, I'll yeah, I don't because I yeah I'm, sorry you're up I'm, sorry mate. I've been looking into this really closely myself. Um, 
and there were the shorter ones. A power pole do a do a couple of ranges actually. But I spoke to some guys who have them, and they have the ten foot. And the reason I wanted the eight foot is it eight? All right, yeah, the yeah. blade. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but they said they wanted they wanted the bigger one anyway. And the um, I wanted the shorter one for that reason. I thought, oh, you know, my, most of my flats fishing, you know, I, I reckon six foot would definitely pull me up. But um, with wave action, um, apparently, and also the depth that it goes into the substrate, um, uh, and you know, you mentioned you were you were only getting in three or four um, inches like that. That probably won't hold uh, that well in um, uh, you know, in if there's any sort of wave action or or yeah, um, yeah. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the um. Yeah, but like you said, it's pretty hard packed. But the, the, I guess the other problem is if if the boat is not properly secured and there is a significant wind windage or, or current draw on it, it might um, and it and it is there is a fraction of movement. It's going to make a bit of noise underneath the water, particularly if it's a um, you know a uh, you know a heavier sort of you know grainier substrate. Um, as it drags through it, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, it might. It yeah, might. but generally that behind the boat bolts, like the way your boat is going to hang, that's 18 foot away from the fish to the bow, and then you've got the distance to the fish. I don't think that part of it's going to come into it, that that little bit of drag on the sand. Yeah. I, I think, um, like, even even wave action, you know, like with a, with a glass hull, um, there's not a real banging sound. It's more of a slap, like a wave-breaking stuff. Yeah. And I find that these fish here don't spook too much to that, but any bad unnatural sound, it's like, phew. like I've had guys step down off the platform and and hit the 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 deck with a thud, um, and that thud reverberates through the water, and those fish pick up on it. Where yep. slap against the hull is not so bad. So, um, but yeah, I do I do get what you mean about the wave action, and probably here would probably need that. Um, if I buy one, it'll be an eight footer, you know, I won't go the 10 because I don't, and that's because if you've got a 10 footer, that means there's more height at the motor at the back of the boat, which is more for anglers to deal with when they're fighting a fish. Yeah. Well, my, my concern with that was too, you know, I, I still like to fish for tuna. Um, and if it's much, much higher than the motor, then, you know, it'll, it'll be, in the back cast back, or back yeah, of the monitor. Exactly. Well, look, yeah. I, I can offer some insight here for two two reasons. One, um, well, I was going to say something before I offer this stuff. Like, you talk about the noise for adjusting itself or not going deep enough. The alternative is is much worse, and that is correcting correcting yourself and pushing water at it with a, with an electric motor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it's 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 by miles the the lesser of two evils in that respect. Um, second of all. You know, I've got I've got a micro, um, a micro power pole. I'll finish my sentence um, on the back of my boat because my boat's small enough to handle that without the hydraulic one. Um, I've also fished in boats from the transom that have got them stowed and not in use as well. And I can say that even with an outfoot and eight foot blade, I like I cast from my hip. I I I, I uh, my elbow slaps my ribs as I cast as I cast through. That's my style, and I can cast over the top of that power pole super easy. No problem at all. Okay, mm-hmm. I have hit it, but that's because of a shit cast rather than it getting in the way of a normal cast. We're talking one in a hundred of being lazy from casting all day for Barra. Um, second of all, with the uh, with the eight foot pole, so I got a whaler 
that's only got about you know six inches out of the water. Um, and on the transom, my unit is almost touching the water. So the power pole is entering the water. The po the 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 um the spike, I should say, because I got the, the micro micro power pole. Um, the spike is is touching the water before it's even deployed it at at um uh at full stowed height, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm using the full eight foot as it enters the water. Now, if I sink it in um somewhere like that's an air rated sand like you're saying, Paul, or, or a place where a lot of there's a lot of sand movement, you know, it can go all the way to the hilt sometimes, na like naturally under the under the um a regular pressure which you can set on those motors. Like the power pole's got an app, uh can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. But anyway, I can on the app, it communicates with the unit via Bluetooth and I can set the pressure that it, it goes into the sand. So if I've got a hard bottom there, I'll turn the pressure down, otherwise it'll lift the transom up as it tries to, to sink in but if it's just a normal pressure it'll um it'll sort of go all the way to the the hilt sometimes with some of that soft sand you know and yeah. if that in that circumstance if i had a six inch one i was losing another two foot of depth I, it would move especially on a spring tide for sure i think the eight foot's a, a pretty good compromise and i should add to that that's in about chest deep water i guess you could say you know yeah. which is a pretty good pretty good depth of permit let's say right you know, a good average depth, I suppose. Sometimes deeper, sometimes less. You know, we're all flats fishing, really. Um, yes. But yeah, so it's an it's an interesting take uh, on it based on my own experience, anyway. Yes, deep at vaults is height or my height. Uh, <laughs> 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 can't laugh. I'm I'm only I'm only like uh, about a foot taller than vaults, but um. um <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, most yeah. of my permanent fishing's in knee deep to thigh deep max. Okay, that's a, that's, like that's a little, six, pretty skinny. Yeah. I don't, you don't, that's part of the problem I have here. Um, as the tides increase, they become harder to locate and see. You yeah. know, it, um, that's when I've got to manage my day, be in the right places at the right time. And that's why I do move a lot in like the morning session. Because mm. I'm running and gunning to the places where I know is going to be the right depth for those fish to be feeding and to get good visual shots of them. Yeah. Because one thing I have learnt with them is the more visual the fish is, the easier they are to catch. Mm. Because I can see what they're doing, how they're doing it, and where they're doing it. Well, there's a, there's uh -huh. a good observation for for keen keen listeners there. Is 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 um is angling for the fish based on their their behaviour is what you say. Yeah, I, I push the boundaries a lot with shallow water and push my boat as far as I can. Like, you know, like my boat is not a flats boat. I'm not saying it is. I use it for flats fishing, but I can take my boat to the reef 100 kilometres offshore, and I can also be in 400 millimetres of water chasing permits. Yeah. You know, that's what Mackay is. It's I need that boat. To be honest, I wouldn't try to guide here with a flat skip because you're going to get hammered. You know, it's um, maybe a panger like um, Will Runs. Yeah. Not a flat skiff because there's days in the afternoons, like in summer here when the, when the northerly picks up, you know, from sort of September through to late November, you got a northerly pushing in the afternoon of you know fifteen to twenty. There's white caps all the way home, and sometimes that's twenty kilometres of white caps. But mm. I put the trim tabs down. I work the boat 
with swim tabs and get the anglers on the dry side. I cop most of the water. Um, you get a bit of spray, but you know, you're gonna have a shower in an hour, so what does it matter? Yeah, you know, if you've caught a permit, it gives a rat's ass if you get a little bit wet, you know, like do the yeah. miles, get the smiles is what I say. I understand. I think to be fair, the people who are listening, I suppose, as well. Like, I mean, and it's not to take anything away what you're saying or what Will said either, but you know, I mean, you can spend a lot of money on a flats boat and oils ain't oils compared to one that's 10 grand to one that's 80 grand, you know, like it's, um, yeah. yeah, for sure. But like, I mean, I'm sure anyone wouldn't discourage that, I suppose, just to be more rounded, I suppose, in the conversation. But I mean, Jesus, dude, look, I mean, take everything aside from pre- personal preference or whatever that's going on. 23 permit voted out of 23 days. That was the stat, wasn't it? 26 days. No, it 26 days. 23 out of 24 permit landed. Mate, you're doing you're doing whatever it takes. Whatever you're doing is is uh, doing pretty good, Paul. You know, I'm a bit concerned with this year because there was two days that I had solo fishing, that I landed five in a day, and I went out two weeks later and I caught three in a day. Well, that was eight of those 24 fish. Mm. You know, that was that was exceptional. Um, yeah. I don't. Think I'm ever going to get five permits solo in a day again for the rest of my life? I, to be honest, the potential is here, the fish are here to do that, but that was just a red letter day. It was just one of them days where, you know, I got a I got a golden that was probably 80, 90 centimeters that same day. I got another golden that was 40 centimeters. Mm. You know, like it was just a day. Uh, in the footage on my YouTube page, says you can. I'm hooked up to a permit and two GTs, about 20 kilo, come within casting distance of my boat. Mm. You know, while I'm hooked up, and I I had a stupid thought that day. I was going to put the fly rod under my foot and grab the stick bait rod and catch one. Mm. <laughs> but then I thought, hang on, you got a permit on. Concentrate on the permit. <laughs> but it was just one of those days that everything was just going my way. You know, like and um, I hope. I can have days like that again. But, you know, as Wayne said, you know, he caught two permit in his first day here and he fished seven days in Belize for one permit. Mm. You know, and I asked him, what do you think of Mackay? And he he went, it fucking goes all right. You know, so I don't know. Like, You know, you can talk a place up so much, but if you don't get the weather, people will get disappointed. And I don't take people when it's crap. Just what I don't do. I would rather cancel the day and not take their money than take them out and make excuses all day why they're not being permit. Uh, I like think for I anyone, said, anyone, I'm going to vouch for you, Paul, and say that anyone listening to that who thinks that that's just a sales thing, man, I've I've spoken to you so many times on the phone. I've heard you say that it's not funny. So it's um, it's you know, it's a well, legit it's thing. Sales thing. It's it's my mental thing because yeah. I don't want to make excuses all day as to why they're not seeing permits. I understand. It's, um, it, it eases my mind when I know the conditions are right and I can show them and give them shots because that's yeah. what I want to do. And I understand. Yeah. I, I don't mean to cut you off, mate. It's just that we're getting to we're getting to record breaking time now. Yeah. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put this fish in the net. Um, yep. <laughs> um now mate, this is a great time for people to make a booking if they're if they're interested in fishing with you. Um, they can just get hold of you uh, via the Instagram or the social. I keep saying Instagram, social media pages, but they Probably can also send with my email. email. Yep. Yeah, What's the email, email address, mate? Yeah. Uh, info at mackaysportfishing.com.au. 
Well, there you go. All right. Well, look, Paul, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, mate, and um and we're gonna have to do an outro um before we go. But mate, I guess on behalf of myself and the other intermediate line staff members, mate, really appreciate you making the time to come up a second time, eh? Yeah, no dramas, yeah. It's always good to talk at home. Like I said, I'm addicted to them. They've really got me. Well, you can tell, mate. There's there's no lack of passion in what you're talking about. That's for sure. Some say I'm too passionate, but anyway. All right, Paul. Well, let's let's get out of here, mate. All right. Gotcha. Thanks, mate. Bye. Welcome back, listeners. That was uh, that was Paul Dolan and another excellent uh, journey Paul's taken us on. Um, how did you feel about that, Chris? I'm going to reiterate your words and say that was totally excellent, dude. <laughs> yeah. Paul, for me, when we talk, talk fishing with Paul, you know, either on a podcast or even just talking to him, is, is his absolute life force, hey? <clears throat> and, um, and it's it's a pleasure to have someone like Paul on, you know, sharing his enthusiasm, sharing his passion, sharing his experience and knowledge. Um, I love listening to Paul talk about, you know, fishing. It's, um, it's a real journey. It's a good one. Mate, sometimes, you know, it'd be great to have, a, like, I don't think it'd interest anyone, but could you imagine if we had a, a behind the scenes show and then we recorded, it doesn't really work because if I was going to say that if we recorded the bits that we don't record when we get off from these interviews to talk about how some of these guests behave, everyone's chatty at the end of it and, and uh, we talk about the show and stuff. But some every now and then you get someone like Paul who, like, the recording stops. Yeah, yeah, see you later, bye. Then he goes into something else and he's like, you know what, I'll tell you this guy something about the tides and I'll tell you this and I'll tell you about this. And and he just kept, he kept, kept going and it's enthralling. Like, we must have been there for another like half an hour seemingly well i didn't measure it but it felt like yeah. it and the whole time just going is that right yeah well and just another observation another one and it's just the the um the passion of the permit that that dude endures is is um infectious they've got it in his head haven't they yeah they have you know, yep they really but he, can, have. He, he he um he excites you about it when he talks to you about it you know it's um it's pretty good I think there was a lot of a lot of tidbits there for um for avid permit listeners. And again, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, this show was always gonna be a great addition to the to the perm bank. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. And we're we're very fortunate. We certainly appreciate, you know, the likes of, of Paul and Will Flack the week before. Mm-hmm. Um you know, hold, not holding back. You know, um they're sharing things that they're they're absolutely certain of um you know and i'm sure there's things that they haven't shared that they're also you know developing in their own minds techniques ideas flies locations so um in fact i'm sure of it but you know it's um uh i don't know what to say people just do yourself a flavor and 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 you know get a get a guide with these guys 
you know. So did you say do yourself a flavor? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a like, mo- like Molly a- Meldrum thing, yeah. <laughs> okay, all oh, right. I just imagine someone rocking up to the flats with a big clock on their chest, like Flavor Flav from uh, from uh, Public Enemy. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something else. Yeah. yeah Vivid yeah, imagination could, going off. Could be good, man. Yeah. So we've got um, so we've got some good guests coming up, um, and we're and like it or not, folks, we're gonna be we're gonna be sticking to salt water for the um, salt water and, and Australian natives, uh, freshwater natives. Well. Australian fresh um, and anadromous natives, probably a better way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. good stuff, Blair. Let's not let's not put the um, the the bad juju's on it by talking about the people by name. No, no, what? no. We can't. We can never mention who we got coming up because things happen, and um, and that's when specials are created when things yes. happen. Nobody wants another special. But yeah, <laughs> m- mentioning someone's name is the equivalent of eating a banana on a boat. Just don't do it, eh? <laughs> yeah, no, we can't We can't do that. We've done it in the past, haven't we? And then I can't remember who it was, but I remember someone we, we spoke about. No, definitely got him next week. I think it must have been like seven or eight shows before we got that person on again. Yeah, yeah, something traumatic. I can't remember exactly what we're talking about, but I remember... There's generally a dramatic uh, occurrence and quite often, you know, like a flood or someone's sick or, you know, something like that. So, yeah. We've also, we've also got a destination podcast coming up too, which is going to be great. Again, uh, very exciting. Don't um, mention where we're going or who it's yeah, with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, eat, don't eat the banana, dude. Yeah, yeah. don't mention the war. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, a lot, lot of stuff coming up. But, Paul, great one. Might be worth a second listening, people. Um and again, and if you've got this far, we really appreciate your download. We do. You're the best download. Yep. Yeah. You are the best download. The people, the people who listen to the outros, they're the, they're the real fam. That's it. That's yeah. And by by all means, I want to I want to extend an invitation to those people who listen to the outro that any time you need advice, Volty at Volty Fly Fishing. Um, <sighs> 2 a.m. in the morning is the that's the time your brain works the best, right? Just send that message. Um, yeah, I I think yeah. it's worked quite well. A lot of people have got some great advice from that um, that show that uh, those questions at that time of night. The later it is, the more honest my advice becomes. <laughs> <laughs> the more the more the shorter the answers, the more honest it is, and um, the more fruitful it is if you've got some pictures of your day to day life on your profile. <laughs> do you have any um do you have any uh sage words of wisdom for people how to how to go about their day-to-day in- social media interactions vaults <sighs> just don't do it people you know don't do it like the antithesis of nike yeah don't anti anti nike don't do it just we don't need to see it no one cares you know. Not Nike, Noki. No. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. No, Noki cares. Um, all right. Well, I really put you on the spot there, Batman. I apologise. Um, maybe, uh, maybe next week we could come up with some other sort of words of advice in the outro that could help people go through their social media days and social media calamities that go on. Yeah. When you're in, bad. when you're in the Batcave, and um, and and Robin's having trouble. What sort of advice would you give the boy Wonder? Put up the bat signal. 
You're at the bat signal, mate. Yeah. That's a me- that's a that's a uh, a metaphor for something, there, right? Do you want to share I, that? I know what that's a metaphor for, but um, I'm not sure if you're comfortable in bringing it up. I'm, I'm not sure I meant it. What you are implying? But, okay. Uh, well, we don't have to talk about. It. That's fine. That's fine. And look. You, you're probably right. I probably did cross the line a little bit there by bringing that up on an international podcast. And my apologies, Bruce. Um, <laughs> I promise I won't do it again. Thank you. Yeah. Another mistake by me uh, on the show of, of stating things that I wasn't meant to bring up. Stay with us, folks. I'm going to get better. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, as always, next week. Be better next week. There is always next week, and I will endeavor to be better. Uh, good one. Noki. All right, All right. dude. Thanks, have guys. a nice, have a good uh, fortnight, week, whatever. I value your partnership. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, All right mate. See ya. Bye.